Welcome to the Refuge Weekly Podcast. We are a church in and for the city of Orange in Southern California. The heart of Refuge OC is to introduce and reintroduce people to a clearer vision of God. To learn more about us and how you can get involved, please visit us at refugeoc.com. And now, here is our latest message. Oh, good morning, Refuge. What an honor it is to be with you. Worship was off the hook this morning. I just have to say thank you so much for bringing us into the presence of the Holy Spirit. I love what Nikki said. Um, we, we are setting up campuses all across the the county, all across the country, and even to parts of the world. So, hey, if you are part of one of our campuses, that means we're part of the online ministry, just check in with us online. Just do a little shout out, say hi to the team that's commenting back and forth to you. Um, let's interact today during the service. Let's do a little Facebook and YouTube interaction with each other because um, it's more fun to have you engaged with a service and sermon. Um, Enoch, my friend who is right here, uh, he's, well, he's gone. Um, he was, he was um, uh, leading worship with us, and you may have recognized him from times before, but I just want to remind you that if you're ever in Fullerton, and if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you want to be empowered um, in an amazing way, um, join Journey Church in Fullerton. They're amazing. How about that for a church to give another church shout out to, to, to bless them? We love that team over there, Hector and Enoch. They're awesome at Journey Church in Fullerton. So, hey, thanks for joining me today. You saw that little bump on video. We're getting tech savvy over here today. Um, we're on the subject of goats, right? Goats and sheep, and if, if you have your Bibles out or your Bible app, is that uh, maybe uh, you'd want to turn to Matthew 25. And so Matthew is, is in the New Testament. It's actually the first book of the New Testament. Um, the Bible's divided into an Old and a New Testament. And so jump in there. It's on page 1263 in my Bible. So hopefully that matches with your Bible. Look up Matthew 25. Get that ready because we're going to dive in because Jesus is talking about goats and sheep. Now, I'm not so hip and cool, but I do have to point out that this shirt, I don't know, my wife got it for me. I, I like it. I think it was kind of cool. At first, I was hesitant because I'm not sure, like, is this a blouse or is this a shirt? Like, is this, like, am I, am I should I wear this? But I thought, you know what? I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to take a risk for my wife. I don't know if you're watching this, Shirley Joe, but I'm wearing this shirt for you, okay? That's how much I love you. Um, Forever 21, she got it, so that's why I'm not sure if it's a blouse or a shirt. But yesterday was, was Gingerbread Men Day. That's what I heard. So I didn't even know that. Someone pointed it out to me. But here's why I know my wife has good taste in clothing. Is I put a shirt on, and I'm so reluctant to wear it. And I go into Starbucks this morning, and I pick up my triple-shot latte from the gal, and she's staring at me. And I'm thinking, like, this is weird because, you know, the masks are on, and I can only see your eyes. And why are you staring at me? This is uncomfortable. Give me my latte. And she's like, hey, that shirt's really cool. <laughs> and I was like, awesome, okay, I got one, and then I got a couple of, you know, comments this morning here at church, so, hey, Shirley, I love you, thank you for the shirt, so GOAT, G-O-A-T, I heard people talking about this, this whole idea of GOAT, man, that guy's GOAT, right, and I, I'm not, like, cool, I don't know the acronyms, I'm a little bit older, people remind me all the time when I'm here at church that I'm on the oldest one on the team, I get it, I get it, I'm the old guy, that's fine, but acronyms, F-Y-I, see what I did there, that's an acronym, but um, greatest of all time, right, and so when you start thinking of goats, right, you start thinking of the greatest of all time, you start thinking like, oh, like, um, I don't know, Jordan, 
And LeBron? Like, where would you go with that? Hey, maybe if you're in the comment section, you might want to put in your, your little bit there. I mean, I would say Jordan. Dylan's wearing some fresh Jordans this morning. I wish you could get those on camera, but it's okay. You don't need to. Jordan or LeBron? Now, someone came up to me when we were doing this, this goat thing, and he goes, what about uh, um, uh, Larry Bird? And I'm like, Larry Bird? Larry Bird, I mean, he's good, but he's not like the greatest of all time. Like, seriously, how did you choose Larry Bird? Larry Bird is not the guy. He's good, but how about this? Um, how about this? Um, Lakers or Celtics? They're, I just threw a little thing to, like, greatest of all time teams, right? Now I've just offended, like, half the country, right? Because for sure, if you're from Southern California, it's like the Lakers, greatest of all time. The team that is the greatest of all time is the Lakers. But if you go back back east, you know, they're going to say, hey, the Celtics for sure. And that was a rivalry maybe before some of you guys, like I'm looking at the young ones here, and they're like, I don't even know who the Celtics are. But how about this? Maybe the Bulls. Bulls are the Lakers, right? So anyways, greatest of all time is this, this word of like, man, who holds the highest esteem? Who in the position of the world is the highest? Who is the GOAT? Who is the go-to person, the GOAT? And, and so um, when I start thinking about music, I go, um, I don't know, like uh, Michael Jackson or Prince. Oh, now, so I'm, I understand that Michael Jackson has offended the whole world, but his music catalog is pretty impressive, right? But then you've got Prince that some would say he's one of the most masterful musicians of all time. This guy was a genius. Purple rain, purple rain, right? I mean, he would... He would just bust it with songs like you'd never heard of. And this guy was prophetic because here we are in code purple. We moved from orange and we're in purple. And I got Prince singing about purple rain. And I think this is crazy that he's singing about purple rain. The guy's prophetic. He's ahead of his time. Talk about like partying like it's 1999. He knew what he was talking about when he was talking about purple rain, right? Thank you, Gavin Newsom. It's purple rain for all of us right now. We're in purple rain. I hope you enjoyed the French laundry because I don't appreciate that we're all in purple rain and you're enjoying it, a nice fine dining meal. Although the French laundry is pretty impressive. Sorry, did I get political there? Sorry about that. Hey, greatest of all time is this idea that... Um, there's, there's, a, there's one person or one team or one band like the Beatles or the Monkees. And we get into this, this idea. And I've heard arguments turn out in families. I've, I've seen friends break up because someone's trying to argue like, who is the greatest of all time? Who is the goat of all time when you're comparing those things? But I have a message for you today. And I want to talk to you about the goat of all time. And he's a shepherd. And he is the greatest of all time. You were wondering how I was going to transition out of this segment, right? I was recently in Tampa, Florida, and I, I don't know if you um, travel much to Florida. I happened to be there on a business trip, and I was in downtown Tampa, Florida, and I uh, walked from my hotel room to where this little conference was, and it was a, an urban setting, a downtown setting, and it was, it was, um, it was unusual because uh, we were downtown, but, um, and this is pre-COVID, there, there just wasn't a lot of life or a lot of people. In fact, I felt like there were a lot of maybe even homeless people walking around, and I thought, wow, where are all the business people? You know, like these are the buildings that business people would be going to. And as I'm approaching to where I'm walking to, I'm, I'm heading this way, and as I'm approaching where I'm walking to, I see this bench. And I see this shadowy figure on the bench, and I, and I kind of get this like moment of like first fear. How about that for being honest? First fear, and then compassion. I um, 
thought, oh, wow, that's sad. That's sad that there's a person in a blanket on a bench as I approach, and I don't know what I can do to help, help this person. And as I get a little bit closer, I mean, it's, it's, uh, now is like really kind of dreary and dark, and I feel bad, like, man, is this person okay? And, and no joke, as I approach, I realize now that what I had been fearful of and then switched to compassion to was actually a statue. It was a statue by an artist named Tommy, or Timmy Schmalz. He's a Canadian artist, and it's called Homeless Jesus. I had stumbled upon a famous art piece by a Canadian artist that has been placed all around the world, and it has done to people what it did to me. There are moments where you see something like this, and you are fearful for a moment, and hopefully you switch to compassion the next moment. And I'll tell you that this um, art piece, while moving, this homeless Jesus piece, is powerful. It's a powerful piece because it, 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 it has Jesus positioned with a blanket over him, unrecognizable, and, uh, and, and in an area on the bench where you might be able to sit as well. As I walked by, I had to process my own thoughts had to think through the things I was thinking, had to say to myself, Sean, why did you go there? Why did you feel fear? What took you to the next step of compassion? And I, I would just say, like, um, this artist, when he started placing this all around the world, it was not received well. This, this piece of art was not received well because many people said, this is not how Jesus should be depicted. Jesus is the king Jesus is Lord, but Jesus is not a homeless person. And I would tell you that the artist might be more accurate in their depiction than some of these other thoughts. Hey, we're, we're in a passage this morning. I had you get your Bibles out, and um, if you would, turn to Matthew 25. If you're just jumping in, joining us online, we're so glad you're here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read from my Bible, and I think it's funny as I, I look at my Bible. This is one of my oldest Bibles. It's a Bible my dad gave me, and I have notes all over it. And some of my older notes, I can tell they're older because at the top of it, it says, I wrote a final judgment. That's what I wrote about this passage. That's how profound I was when I was 16 and writing things cool in my Bible with a pen. I was making a commitment. So jump in with me, if you will. I know we're going to follow along on the screen. So we're in Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on the right and, and the goats on the left, and he'll say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world, for I was hungry." And you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him with surprise. 
Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me in. I needed clothes and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you didn't look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. That's a powerful passage. It's a troubling passage. It's a, it's a tangling passage. It's a, it's a passage where many of us go, well, I don't, I don't know if I want to hear about that kind of judgment from a loving God. It's a passion, passage that, 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 that strikes fear in the heart of man because nobody wants to talk about the fact that there is a place that has an eternal fire. But I think you might miss the point of this passage. You might miss the glory of this passage. You might miss the excitement of what God is doing to us when he's asking us to align with his kingdom purpose. You see, this passage has to do with the judgment. This passage has to do with eternity. It has to do with salvation. But Jesus rarely speaks on salvation. He rarely talks about what salvation looks like, but he definitely talks about what aligning to his kingdom looks like. And so what I want to do to you today and in a conversation with you is I, I just want to talk about what it looks like from God's perspective for his humanity and for his people. Because if we have a passage here and that talks about Jesus framing his, um, framing his love for the nobody, framing his love for the unloved, framing his love for the outsider, framing his love for the broken, framing his love for the, uh, for the discarded, for the wasted, for the set aside, for the people that just are never thought about, then we have to adjust how we love one another. It's, it's a messy kind of love that we're being called into. And that's why I think this passage is important, not just from an eternal perspective, but from a here and now perspective. The last few weeks we have been in this passage in Matthew, and there's a, there's a theme that's going through the passage. Um, Brenton talked about the, the virgins and the oil lamps and pre preparing right? Jesus is talking about preparing in those parables. And then, and then uh, last week, Joy touched on the, the parable of the talents. Again, preparing and not wasting what we've been given and doing good things with that. And Jesus has been using this preparation language, and he's getting us ready for something that's going to happen in Matthew 28. He's getting us ready for something. And the, the question he has for his people and the question he has for his followers is, are you getting ready are you listening? Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
Because here I'm telling you, prepare, have your oils ready, oil lamp ready for um, the thief comes in the night. And then the talents, don't bury your treasure, right? And so here we are in a passage, and some would say it's not a parable because he's using parabolic language. He's using this idea of, of, um, of similes and things like this, but it's, it's actually a very real passage. This is a, a very real eternal passage. And, and, and so Jesus is then saying, hey, as you are preparing for me coming, what are you doing? What are you doing? Are you just waiting? Are you just sitting and waiting? And I think there are Christians that are just sitting around and waiting. And, and I, I think this is why Jesus speaks on this subject with so much passion. I think this is why he wants to speak into this to you and to me, is that we don't just sit around having checked the box of our salvation. We are called to something far more glorious than that, and that's called partnering and being in alignment with him. So when he says, like, hey, um, when, when I was hungry, did you feed me? And when I was thirsty, did you, did you give me drink? Or when I, when, I w- when I was cold and shivering, did you give me clothes? And, and when I was in prison and sick, did you visit me? He's, he's calling us into something to partner with him. And, and we can take that passage very literal, like, and we can check those off as well. But then we're dealing with what's a major heart issue for you and for me. Because we're not called to check things off. Because here's the key to this passage, and I even said it while, we're, while we were reading this. The righteous were just as surprised as the unrighteous. The righteous were just as surprised as the unrighteous. And I'm saying they were surprised. They're like, well, when did we see you, Jesus? And that's the question. That's the question for all of us. Are we looking for Jesus? Are our eyes open for what Jesus wants to do? The question is, when did we see you, Jesus? And that's the reality of what Jesus brought here. The kingdom comes down to earth. The kingdom has come, and Jesus has transformed everything. And he's saying, I want you to prepare. I want you to get ready. I don't want you to hide your talents. And he goes, and I want you to work in alignment with me. I want you to be in alignment with what I'm doing, what I'm calling you to do. I want you to partner with me. And here's how you partner. I'm going to give you a few of them. And here's a couple ideas. Here's the nobody. When you think of the nobody, when you think of the outcast and the the person that you can drive by or walk past, the person on the bench that is sleeping and you can ignore them or actually even be scared of them, then you've missed the point then you miss the point of what I've been calling you to do because these are Imago Dei. These are made in the image people. These are my people. I created them. I love them. And I want you to love them too. What a challenging thing he's calling us to do. And here's a few things that I'd want you to do when you're at home. I want to challenge you while you're at home. Who have you discarded? Who have you let go of? Who have you forgotten? Who do you walk by, step by, drive by, and completely discard? Is it the drug addict? Do you struggle with a drug addict because it's their problem? Have you discarded them? How about the homeless person? Have you just completely said, well, why don't they get a job? Why why can't they work? Jesus doesn't say anything in here in this passage about them getting a job. He says that you're supposed to love them. You're supposed to love them. What a challenging passage it is. Hey, who, who else are you discarding? Is it, is it the suicidal person? Why don't they get it together? Is it the lonely person? What are you talking about? You're lonely. There's people all around you. Who else have you discarded? Is it the sad person? I think Jesus has started this list for us, and if we take it literal, it's a good starting point. 
but he's calling us in to think and act like he does. And it's with deep compassion for his people. It's for, it's for living, in, living in the way he lives. It's walking in his footsteps. It's living in alignment with his purpose. Purpose and plan. It's what Jesus is calling you to. It's a challenging passage. Because I don't like how this ends. Then they will go away to eternal punishment. But the righteous to eternal life. Man, I tell you, get hung up on that, man. I don't want anyone to go away to eternal punishment. I hate hearing that. This loving God that I serve so faithfully. How, how? But here's where I miss the point. If you back up, he talks about, come you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. There is an inheritance that has been set aside for each and every one of you, for everyone in this room, for everyone online, for everyone that will see this live, for everyone that will see this in the future, there is an eternal inheritance that is available to you. It is not off limits to you. It is completely 100% available to you. If you know anything about inheritance language, it was set aside, it was purposed, it was planned for, and it is for you. The price was paid, and it is for you. So when we hear language, like inheritance language, step into that. Because that's what's available. I love, I love the language, and I, 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 I want to pay attention to the language, where he talks about those on his left, depart from me, curse to the eternal fire. No, I don't like that. But it, was, it wasn't prepared for you. That eternal fire was not prepared for you. That's not the God I serve. That eternal fire was prepared for the devil and his schemes and his lies. It was only prepared for him and not for you. The inheritance is for you. The fire is for the devil and for his schemes and for his lies and for those that want to be discarding people. And I'm telling you, accept the inheritance because the other, other one isn't for you. It wasn't made for you. It was only made for one sole purpose. It was to eliminate the schemes of the enemy. And so when you read this passage and you start reframing your thinking about what salvation is like. Salvation is for you. This is for you. The fire is not for you, as much as I hate that language. The fire is the inheritance of the enemy. He gets to have that, but there's an inheritance that's been set aside completely for you. As you hear this message and as you ponder what God wants to do in and through you when you're in alignment with him through the power of Jesus Christ. And I would just, I would just hope that you would start thinking of names. I, was, I would hope that you start thinking of, of people specifically. Maybe you don't know their name, but I found out the name of the lady that lives in our parking lot. Because in my mind, I didn't know what to do. Her name's Deborah. She has two flat tires, and I don't know her story. I know some of us have tried to talk to her, but it wasn't until I actually found out her name that it seemed like she's Imago Day. She's made in the image of God. And as much as I want to write a story for how I want to resurface the asphalt in our parking lot, I care more about Deborah. 
I care more about her. And so I've reframed how I'm thinking about that parking lot. And I start praying for Deborah and her safety. That she's not cold at night. That she's got food. That she's taken care of. And that maybe as a community, as we think and start praying for Deborah, that, that, that Deborah finds a safer place to live too. Maybe, maybe as a community we can pray through ideas of what God wants to do to get her into a safer place. But it wasn't until I put a name to it that I was able to start seeing what God sees in her. And so I challenge you as a community, what's their name? What's the name of that person you walk by? What's the, what's the name of that, that person that you see on the highway that's always there with a sign and maybe you give them a buck? I think Jesus would, would know their name and I think Jesus would want you to know their name. And yeah, I know there's, there's some tough ones. There's mental health issues. There's other issues. Be careful. Be safe. Consider all those things. But I'm just calling you into the sensitivity of what Jesus is calling you into in this passage. A challenging passage. Hey, if you would throw that image back up and if the band would come, um, come up as well as we wrap this up. There's something special about homeless Jesus. You saw the image. I bring the image back up. Homeless Jesus is only recognizable not by his face. Because the face is covered by a blanket. And Jesus isn't covered because there's a plaque that says this is Jesus. That homeless Jesus sculpture is is solely and completely recognizable by his feet. If you go online later and you look up this sculpture, you'll you'll see that at, at his feet, the only thing exposed that peer out of the blanket covering homeless Jesus is nail-pierced feet. And what's cool about the nail-pierced feet is we know the price that was paid by Jesus, paid for us, inheritance set aside for you, a salvation for all eternity, and a royal priesthood that's set aside for you. But what's even cooler is they designed the bench that you can sit at the feet of Jesus. There's a place for you to sit at the feet of Jesus at this bench. And so as you, as you start thinking about names, maybe it'll, maybe it'll help you to remind yourself that you're sitting at the feet of Jesus. And as you sit at the feet of Jesus, you start praying over the Deborahs of the world. Compassion pours out of you and streams out of you, and, and, and love and kindness in ways that maybe you've never experienced before. Maybe, maybe the Debras of the world will start coming alive for you in their human likeness and imago Dei in the way that Jesus has loved them for all time. Will you pray with me? Father God, we, um, we're challenged by passages like this to serve you well. We're, we're challenged, challenged to, to seek and serve and to love, to pray over and, to, and give to those that are hurting. And you've called us into something far more spectacular than just checking off the box of salvation. 
as your kingdom comes down to earth, as you bring heaven down to earth, as your kingdom comes and your will is done, Lord, may we participate well. May we start living the way that you've called us to. May we start living in your way, the way of the Savior. May we start seeking you in your way and loving people in your way. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for joining us this week. We believe in community and would love to connect with you. If you have any questions or would like to speak to a pastor, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at RefugeChurchOC. We hope to see you again soon.